We have been going through the teachings of Jesus in the Sermon of the Mount. And today, before Lent, we have, I would say, if not the most, one of the most challenging invitations of Jesus. And it's not to seek revenge, but to pray and love our enemies. This is the line I would like to focus. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You may be children of your heavenly Father who makes his son rise on the bad and the good and causes rain to fall on the just and the unjust. This is very difficult to put into practice and whatever I say, I say to me first. And I think one of the best examples of this call to love our enemies, to pray for them, to forgive them, is the life of Maria Goretti. She was the youngest saint. She died when she was 11. She was from Italy, died July 6, 1902. I think now these two younger saints, um, the two shepherds from Fatima, Jacinta and Francisco, I think they are 8 and 10. You can correct me if I am wrong. Not now, but this week you can tell me, no, this is the youngest saint, but she was the youngest saint, Maria Goretti. So when she was 11, one of uh, her neighbors, Alessandro, started to develop an impure liking for her. And she, he would say to her inappropriate things, and well, one day, Alessandro tried to abuse her. She resisted. But Alessandro got so angry that he decided to, to stop her, and he did. For 14 times, he aggressively stopped Maria. She died the next day. But before dying, Maria said this, I forgive Alessandro, and I want him with me in heaven forever. Then Alessandro was sent to prison, 30 years of prison. But on year six, Alessandro had like a, a vision, an appearance of Maria, who appeared picking up 14 white lily flowers in a garden. And then she decided to give each of these 14 flowers one by one to Alessandro for each stub, one flower. This gesture of forgiveness, this act of love of Maria, filled Alessandro with a new sense of, of love and, and, and forgiveness. And basically, he converted to faith. From being unbelieving and resentful and a hardened heart for what he had done, he became a believer. He was released from jail earlier because of his good conduct. And then he became a monk, a brother. When he was a brother, the family of Maria visited also him and forgave him for what he had done to their daughter. I mean, this is amazing. This is a saint. It's a radical example of the teaching Jesus is giving us. Praying and loving our enemies. Choosing to forgive, choosing the way of mercy where there was anger and violence and hatred. And that's what Jesus is inviting us to do. 
So we could ask this gospel, who are our enemies? What should we do with them? And what happens when we put this teaching into practice? And before we say anything, when Jesus says that we should love our enemies, he's implying also that you should love your friends. It's not that you should love your enemies and hate your friends. If you are able to love your enemies, Jesus knows, you will be very much more able to love your friends. If you can do the more, you can do the least. The least. If you can do math 301, you can do math 101. If you can give $1 million to someone, you can also give them $100. So if you learn to love your enemies, if you learn this way of radical love, your love for those who are close to you will be so much greater. That's one main reason that is behind this teaching of Christ. So first, who are our enemies? We could say like three types of enemies or three labels, three boxes, three categories. The most evident is those who did evil to us. We live in a broken world. You, we, you grew up maybe in a broken family. There's many instances in your life, either in, in the past or even now in the present, where people inflict evil to you, people who stole things from you, people who betray us, people, people who speak against uh, our, our backs, behind our backs, people who had abuses, verbally, emotionally, physically, people who left us, people who litigate with us legally, like lawsuits. So that's the most literal meaning of enemies. And we are prone to seek revenge in all those instances or grow resentful. Another maybe less evident is people or groups that hold a different worldview than us. As we move into a more unbelieving world, as Christians, we're gonna coexist or live with people who think and act differently than us people in your workplace, people in your community, people even in, inside your family who no longer think against with the mind of Christianity. And they become hostile. And sometimes they begin to persecute you or they begin to say evil things about you. Those also could be seen as enemies in some way. And sometimes these could be even groups in society that maybe threaten the inner peace of your life. Or it could be very important persons. For example, if I say, like, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, like, some people will get so upset with any of those names. Sorry, I didn't give you any trigger warning here. <laughs> so, but it's very true or people even inside the Catholic faith, people who love Pope Francis, but people who love Pope Benedict. So you have these people or groups that hold a different view of what is the world, of what is the church, of how we should do things. So to them, we, we can also grow resentful or angry with them. 
I don't know if you heard of the bishop in Nicaragua who was sent to prison by the government that also expelled the Sisters of Charity. So it's a very anti-Catholic government. and They put this bishop in prison for being Catholic, 26 years of prison. I read the news and my initial reaction was anger against that government. Finally, a third type of people are just people who are annoying. We all have them. People that are strange, that they make noises, that they bother you. Like, if you enter a room, you will go the other corner of that room because you try to avoid them the more you can. Well, these maybe are not as evident enemies as maybe the other two groups, but we tend to be distant, maybe indifferent to them. We try to avoid them as much as we can. Behind all these labels or these three types of groups, there's one common element. And it's that when it comes to enemies, we will prefer that they don't exist. They will pre we will prefer that they are not in our lives. We think, I will be so much happier if this person or this group or this event would not be present in my life. Their mere presence bothers us and steals our peace and many times makes us angry. This is not a good way of thinking because our enemies, they make us grow. In mysterious ways, they make us grow. So these are the first question that we could ask the gospel. Who are our enemies? The second one is, what should we do with our enemies? The obvious response is, we should not seek revenge. In the first reading, we hear like, do not hold hatred. Do not be angry with your brother. Or sister, do not take revenge and cherish a grudge against them. So that's a first negative response, do not seek revenge. But the most positive response is to love and to pray. Jesus gives us a new standard, to love and to pray. To love means to do deeds of kindness. To love means to seek what is good for the other. So this is what Maria did. She brought flowers to the one who took her life. This is what Jesus says also in Luke 6. Do, do good to those who hate you. Do good to those who hate you. So the most annoying co-worker, bring him or her donuts. Do good to him or her. But also pray. Not only deeds of love, but also prayers of blessing. Father, bless them. Father, bless them because maybe they don't know you. Bless them because maybe their upbringing was worse than mine. Bless them that because maybe they do all this evil because they were hurt even more than me. Bless them. Open their eyes. Send your Holy Spirit upon them. Overshadow them with blessing. This is what Jesus did on the cross. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. They are crucifying him, actively insulting him, bullying him, we could say. He says, Father, forgive them. 
I, I give a blessing upon them. This is what Stephen did when he was being stoned. Instead of kind of picking up the stones that were thrown at him, he says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And then he fell asleep. He died, Act 7. Lord, do not hold this sin against them. It says that he looked up to heaven as he's receiving these injuries, these stones. Think of the graphic image that that implies, like being stoned. He looks up and he sees the standard of forgiveness. He sees Jesus standing next to the Father. And that vision of heaven fills his life with so much love that he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. Do not hold this sin against them. He says, this is evil. This is sin, but don't hold it against them. And he died in that act of and, and prayer of forgiveness. This is what Maria did before dying as well with Alessandro. So that's the what of the gospel. Pray and love for your enemies. And this is counterintuitive, no? Because sometimes when you have this type of enemies, one prayer that one time I, I thought about, like, is this valid prayer, Jesus? Is it valid to say, I will pray, but I will pray that they stop existing? Like, you could pray that way. Like, Lord, like, look at this People are doing so much evil to the world. Look how, like, world peace is challenged by some people in this, in this, in this world. Well, why don't you just take them home? Or why don't you just, like, in, accelerate? So I don't know if that is theologically possible, but for sure Jesus asks us to love and to pray for a prayer of blessing upon them and forgiveness. Why should we pray? Because prayer for enemies is transformative. Many times we think that if we do justice with our own hands, we will transform society. But the truth is that mercy and, and forgiveness and love is what really changes things. Praying for our enemies changes us changes them. First, it changes us. Because when you pray and you ask God to bless your enemies, to bless those who persecute you, to bless those who annoy you, to bless those who are different to you, when you begin to pray for them and ask the Lord to bless them, you begin to see them as sons and daughters of the Father. That prayer begins to melt down your resentment, and your vengeance, and you begin to see them in a new way. God bless you for that phone. <laughs> so, sorry, that's not a good joke. So, pray, and, and, and the Lord will help you. See them as sons and daughters. See, see what Jesus says. Father makes the sun rise and the, the rain fall on the good and the bad. His love is so universal, so giving, so kind of 
all the time loving. That's what happens when you pray for them. It second, second it, it changed them. The prayer of blessing changed Massimo. The prayer of blessing of Jesus changed the soldier who pierced his open side and opened his side. It changed St. Paul. St. Stephen prayed and asked for forgiveness, and that moved the heart of St. Paul. See how praying and blessing our enemies changes others as well. So how beautiful it would be if each one of you here today and this week, you can pray for anyone who is your enemy. How beautiful it would be that our communities, our society, and at least our inner families, our inner groups, they become more united, less fragmented, less scattered, less marked and, and frozen by past injuries, less resentful, less cold, and more like Jesus wants us to be. Sons and daughters of his heavenly Father. So your homework for this week is just to make a list of some of your enemies and pray for them. Maybe you can put them in a post-it, for sure, make it, keep it confidential, and, and just pray that God may bless them. And what are spontaneous ways you want to do? And for extra credit, you can do good to them as well. So let us pray that this teaching of Jesus may be true, real in our lives. Love your enemies, pray for those who persecute. Then you will be children of your heavenly Father.